This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses, can you imagine at 25 co-founding your first ad agency and then your first clients being the likes of Pepsi, Merrill Lynch, and Lipton? That is exactly what my guest Lynn Altman did. While I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I was doing and how I wanted to leave my mark on the world, Lynn had taken the world by storm. She is a serial entrepreneur and perennial do-gooder, and today she is also the president and founder of Brand Now, where for over 20 years she has been the -the behind-the-scenes innovator for top global brands including Coca-Cola, Nestle, Procter & Gamble, and many, many more. I have not had an interview with such a high-performing, high-achieving, incredibly humble, kind person in a while, as much as I love all of our guests and everything that they bring to this podcast. But Lynn shared with us some incredible mic drop moments um, that I just want to share some of the ones that I thought were the most fun and most interesting. So she talks about why changing your mind is actually a good thing and has helped her be a better leader. She shares her secret for reframing um, how to get it all done without being stressed out and why she gives herself permission to quit and how that actually helps her achieve better results. Hey, Lynn, welcome to Women Who Build Empires. I am so excited to have you on the show today. And the thing as I was doing a little bit of research that really caught my eye as somebody who creates, builds, um, executes brands, I'm thinking about creatives and, and creativity and on your website, part of your survival code is to stay in the box which is the complete opposite of what I would think. So share with me your philosophy on staying in the box. Well, I am so happy to be here and thank you for having me. And there are a lot of things that I take, my take on creativity might be slightly different than what people imagine when people say like, we don't want to limit your creativity or the sky's the limit. We really want to, again, think outside of the box. And, you know, I've said that, Thinking outside of the box is great when you are contemplating the origins of the universe. You have infinite amounts of time. Anything is possible. You're not trying to really get anything done. Mm -hmm. But in the creativity that we deal with and the creativity that we work with, there is a box. There are guardrails. There are manufacturing constraints. There's consumer constraints, what they want, what they don't want. Uh, There's brand constraints. And so knowing what that box is and being able to create within it to to create viable products or ideas 
that are compelling and usable is really, really important. Uh, and even more importantly is that the creative mind really does love discipline. So it's so if someone said invent a new product, you'd say, what, you know, what, what does it do? What is it supposed to do? What do I want it to do? But if you said invent a new product that helped people in the morning fuel up in an easy and convenient way, that's the box. And then your mind is so much more equipped to start really problem solving. So the box gives you the problems that then creativity can solve. So cool. I love that. And I love the play on it too, because it's still allowing a lot of options within the parameters of, of helping people. It really is such a better way to approach creativity in a business sense, you know, in certain circumstances. Yeah. Well, and what I got from what you have on the website about your survival code, one is the personality of your company and that you're, I think, fast moving, but very thoughtful at the same time. Uh, which are two things that I think sometimes can uh, not coincide together. And it seems like you're making a lot of magic for all of the clients that you work with. Well, and part of being able to do both things at the same time is really looking at what's working and, and and eliminating the noise of what doesn't. So there are so many things that we do in a certain way because that's how we were taught to do it or that's what traditional wisdom or best practices in the past have taught you to do it. And then when you actually look at why am I doing this step? So one of the things in our process that we don't do a lot of is, is a lot of preliminary consumer research, a lot of asking people what they want Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time. You can kind of guess what people want. Our approach is more, well, let's hypothesize about what people want, show examples, and then get the response. And even just flipping that script and flipping that process a little bit can mm-hmm. cut out months of a process uh, to get new ideas on the table. Yeah, you know, I like that because that's kind of how I do networking, speaking, interviewing, like how I'm creating and helping my clients. I find that when you do a lot of research, then you're you're directed into solutions that may not be what people actually need. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's almost like, if you think about that box, it's almost putting you in the corner before you've had a chance to really test where the boundaries are and really think about what could be, what might be, um, and then see what's a good idea. You know, it's the old... If you ask people, you know, Jeff Ford said, if you ask people what they want, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah, exactly. So, so really thinking about the best solutions and testing them backwards. Yeah, I love that. I want to circle back into like the beginning of your career and because you've been doing like this work for a while. How did you, how did you start? How has this business, you know, kind of evolved and changed over time? Um, Share everything. Okay. (laughs) This may be a longer story than you're bargaining for, but I I did have a very unusual or uncommon kind of beginning, which is that, you know, I had graduated from college. I had skipped a few grades. I had graduated from college when I was 20, had a few years to try to figure out what I wanted to do and ended up moving to New York. And my first job was working in publishing as an assistant. And I said, 
this after a year, I said, this is awful. I need to do something else. This isn't where publishing is not my industry. And I started looking around for other work and looking at ad agencies, which I thought would be more creative. And the uh, agencies that were going to, they were saying, well, you could be an assistant. And somehow I said, well, no, I've already been an assistant. I was kind of in that millennial mindset before it was a thing. Yeah. And said, well, I'm going to see what else I can do. So I spoke with my roommate from college's dad, who was a new products consultant. And he kind of just introduced me to the world of new products. He had me write a concept or two for them. He introduced me to networking to two people. And he said, always keep asking people for who else you can meet. Even if it's not them, if you keep asking, eventually you'll find the right person. So of the two people, he whose names he gave me, one wouldn't meet with me. And the other turned out to be uh, someone who had a lot of experience. He was an older gentleman or older than I was. And it turns out he had a business idea on a consultancy of a creative agency, but his contemporaries, I don't think really believed in him because it was so untraditional and I was so young and it made sense to me. And so <clears throat> Essentially, he and I just started going out and trying to pitch this business together uh, and making cold calls during the day. Uh, so I was 25. I think he was 63. So, we, you know, we were an odd pair. But the first person who gave us a shot uh, was a woman named April Thornton. And she is she was at Pepsi. So Pepsi was our first client. And then Merrill Lynch was our second client. And then Lipton was our third. And after those three, within a pretty quick succession, we thought, you know, I think we're on to something. So his name is Joe Viverito. He and I stayed together for 12 years. Wow. And then in 2007, I went out on my own and founded Brand Now. What is it like being 24, 25 and working with gigantic companies right off the bat? It was kind of intimidating. I remember always thinking, I can't wait till I'm the same age as my clients. I can't wait to not be the youngest person in the room. But then at the same time, and I'm always, I was always a pleaser. So I always knew, you know, to dress up and act, you know, I, I never was the person who walked in in jeans and just said, like, here's me. But in that second meeting at Merrill Lynch, I remember the guy who we were in the meeting with and pitching to, he said, he talked to my partner, who obviously was older and had more experience. And then he looked at me and said, well, when you type that up, you know, make sure you include that. And, wow. <laughs> and I don't know where I got the gumption from, but I did look at him and say, well, I don't do that, but I'll have the person that we do do that. So I always knew I had to kind of establish myself in the room. Yeah. But I never did anything kind of the way everyone else did it. So even being with these big companies, it just, it, it felt like, oh, of course this is, of course this is what I'm doing. I guess I, it's, it was just such my reality that I didn't think much of it. Yeah, yeah. Can't even imagine having that said to me. And I think there's a place, at least for me, in my 20s, where whether it's naivete or ignorance or however you want to frame it, you just say things or you take things the way, like because you're bolder. Or you don't, you haven't learned some of the lessons or <laughs> what it is, but like, I, I know there's been moments in my career where like, I look back and I'm like, God, that was awfully like bold and uncharacteristic for the position that you were in <laughs> at the time. 
not necessarily uncharacteristic for me, but right. older self would have thought twice before opening my mouth. Well, there's only been, and I can almost count the three times in my life that was one of them, that something fell out of my mouth so instinctively and so yeah. reactively that right after it came out, I thought, oh, Oops. maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I'm not entirely sad that I did. Like this may come back to bite me, but that was... Um, definitely one of my one of my favorites yeah and as you started brand now what did you want to do differently and how are you representing brands now um differently and in a way that you find most impactful mm -hmm. well one of the things from the old company that we always did was that if you want a new product you have to go through this process it's a 10-day process and you know, this is our output and this is how we create the out the concepts. And, and there was not much flexibility in project size and approach. And one of the first things I wanted to do with Brand Now was give our clients more flexibility to say, you know, not everyone wants a concept written in a certain way. So let's get more agile about writing different styles of concepts for different modes of testing. And not everyone wants 20 new product concepts as part of a project. Some may only want five, some may want 60. So really being able to be more flexible to, to tailor the project to the client's needs and not force the client to fit their needs into our, our offering and our process. The other thing, and since then, we've really grown into more of, we were an ideation shop. I mean, that's how I even, that's how I would call us. We would do ideation for brands, for positionings. And in the past 15 years, it's become much more of an innovation shop. So we do do more strategy, more trend work. We can lead the research, more in-depth, more structured ideation renderings package design so it's more of a end-to-end -end, even as a boutique agency more end-to-end -end. and I, i'd also say we've become more specialized in the cpg world and in new product innovation over we used to do a lot of work in financial branding and smaller brands but really we've learned that our sweet spot is in the the larger cpg space cool how has your leadership changed over the years um, I've tried to become more structured. So one of my least positive leadership qualities and probably my biggest vulnerability is that I have been doing this since I was 25. And so almost every decision is just based on my instinct and my gut and never really feeling like I needed formal rules to run the business. So I had a year where an employee said to me, can you give us assigned days off? Can you tell us how many days off we can take? Because my approach was always, do your work. If work is slow, take some days off and then come back to work. That's what I want to do. And it turns out people want a little more structure than that. Uh, <laughs> you and I are in the same camp, by the way. <laughs> I thought you were laughing because you're like, who would ever do that? Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't get why people need to have assigned days, <laughs> but they do. <laughs> they do. Um, and even then, it's funny, not only do we now have assigned days, but now we have, you know, someone who manages the payroll, and they have to report the days. And so sometimes then they'll say, well, but now I have to report them. And now I'm going to go over now, what do I do? Because it'll dock my pay. So 
you know, be careful what you wish for, I suppose. And of course I say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, I know you're good for the work, just don't report it. But it is funny how some of those processes can really get in the way of progress, which is what I've tried to avoid, but understanding that certain things need to be in place. Mm -hmm. uh, I've relied much more heavily on advisors than I, ever before, knowing there are people who know so much more about running a business than I do. So I've really spent the past, I'd say, five years meeting with consultants, hiring a managing director, and surrounding myself with some more people who can help me lead the business from a business standpoint, since I know that's, even though I've led a business for 25 years, I, I, I hate to say I really don't know how, but I don't know how to, to form more formally do it. Another surprising thing we just instituted in the past four years were employee reviews. Never did it. I figured I talked to you every day. Why, why do I need to have another time to talk to you? And and every year we always joke around because we all kind of dread the form and you know the sitting down and the formality of it. And yet it's great. It's a great time to set goals and, mm -hmm. and take a look back and reflect on what's worked and what hasn't. And so just running the business more formally with more structure has been something I've worked on a lot over say, the past five years. Well, I want to give you kudos for having those advisors because for me, business building and running a business is like yoga. It's a practice and it's always expanding and it's never, you can be a master, but there's still always something to improve and having diversity of thought and people who are going to see gaps outside of you is truly beneficial, but also allows you to grow and keep it fun. Mm -hmm. Well, that's also the hardest part about being a business owner and a leader is, and especially in, in positions such as ours, is that you have to create your own future as you're living it. It's almost like I imagine it as pay, like paving the path that you're going to walk on. So there's no set that, uh, you know, structure up the corporate ladder where, you know, I'm an associate and then a director and then a VP and then a right. C-suite. So you're constantly having to say what's next and how do I get there and what's the best way? And that includes lots of trial and error, which you have to get comfortable with and have to get comfortable with like recognizing the error pretty quickly and going, okay, that didn't work and not getting too upset about it. Um, some people might say I changed my mind a lot, but I just say I recognize error really quickly. Right, right. Well, and I think that's a great trait. Like that's what helps leaders stand out is good decisions, but also recognizing when you don't have one and not being afraid to change it. <laughs> my life partner would say I return everything to that I buy online. So it might be a related trait, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. So I read um, that you, let me see, you used to do karate. You're a third degree black belt. You're an avid runner. You're a mom and you find time to do yoga. So how do you so, do yeah. that? <laughs> I'm extremely disciplined. No, you know, I think I am extremely disciplined, but, um, but more so all of those things don't feel like chores to me. So when you reframe, most people say, oh, I have to exercise, I have to work out. Or you hear you hear exercise programs and fitness instructors saying like, we know you want to quit, but keep going. And I never think that way. I always think like, oh, thank goodness I have time to run. Or thank goodness I have time to go take a walk or do karate or do yoga or be a mom. 
And when I reframe it, like, I know I'm going to, even if I have to wake up early or a little earlier, I just know I'm going to feel better afterwards. I always think about the benefit of doing any of these things as opposed to the the chore of them. What about when you're running and you hit that, like, or in any exercise where you kind of hit that wall a little bit where it's like, it's starting to hurt. Um, (laughs) And I, I used to run and I remember hitting that and I, there's that like mind game that I would have to play about you can keep going. Cause then after that it was like, all right, good. Like I could run another million miles. And it's always, you know, one of the things I do, I do play that trick. There's a lot of mental tricks with running or any kind of endurance sport. Um, One is I'll stop and I'll talk to myself and I'll say, all right, you know, get your act together. I might not use the word act or you're halfway there. You can do this. Go, go mm-hmm. the next part. It's just, a, or you say just a little bit more. I'm just going to run another mile. Just don't, don't think too far ahead. But my favorite trick and the one that works most is giving myself permission to quit and then not choosing it. How does that work? Cause I think I'd be on so, the sidelines. So you'd say, so, and I do this with hiking. I do this with hiking more so. Okay. You don't have to go to the summit. You can stop now and turn around or like, you don't. cause I always, my runs are always out and back. So I can always say like, if you don't want to keep going, you know, or sometimes I don't feel like running and I go out and I go, you don't have to do five miles, even though that's what you thought you were going to do yesterday, just do three. And then I get to two and a half and I go, Oh, I can, I can do five. You know, what am I talking about? Right. And so when you give, when it becomes again, when you take the obligation and the pressure off and you say, can I do this? Could I do it? How will I feel afterwards? You, for me, I tend to take the challenge as opposed to feeling like I have to meet an expectation. So almost every hike that I go on, I always have this moment where I go, I don't want to go to the summit. I want to turn around. I don't want to go any further. And then I do. And then I'm happy. Uh, There is one exception, though. There was one time in the past year where I was running a race. It was an overnight endurance race or a 24-hour endurance race. uh, And it was a relay. And there was a run in the middle of the night, a seven-mile uphill that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to complete. And I was really afraid of it. And I tried to get out of it. I tried to get people to switch with me. And and I finally resigned myself to doing it. And I thought, okay, this is going to be one of those moments where I tried to quit, but I'll persevere. And my partner did come in to the tent at like 1230. And he said, I'll, I'll do it if you want me to. And it really was probably the first time in a long time that I said, okay, yes, I will take help on this one. Like I need to quit this one because I'm too afraid. And there was too many things going on for me to feel like it was smart. And could I have done it? I probably could have done it, but I was so happy for the 99 times that I don't take the out that I took the out that one time. So you always have to get, you have, you, you have to know when it's time to take the out. Yeah, I agree because it's, there's a difference between sucking it up and, and potentially hurting yourself or not being in the right space and breaking the mindset barrier too. And you've got to know yourself well enough to know which one it is. Right. And, and it's funny cause it's such a delicate, it's such a fine, fine, fine line between uh, should I, am I not sucking it up? And is this dangerous? And your mind does, at least my mind plays a lot of tricks with me in that realm. But to me, 
it's also whichever you decide being okay with it. So even you heard in my story, I was like, I probably could have done it. Maybe I was, you know, sucking it up. You know, maybe I should have sucked it up for that run, but saying, no, you know what? That felt like the right decision for me at that time. And I'm going to mostly be okay with it. Yeah. So whichever one you choose has to be the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not beating yourself up about it. No, and it was great. And I just switched the run. I did my seven mile run in the morning. I had a great time. I felt supported. Um, it was wonderful and enjoyable. So not all good things require suffering, which is also another lesson that's very hard to learn. If you're people like us who are like, the, the bigger the challenge, the harder I have to work, the better the reward. And sometimes you can just take the reward. Yeah, yeah, everything. Not everything is hard. There is flow and ease somewhere in there. Are there times when you're kind of playing the same mind game at work? I would say a different kind of endurance. Yes. So it's a lot of times with the stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> I have to write back. Well, I actually like writing emails, but I love talking to people. But, it, you know, for me, it used to be like putting together proposals and just was such an arduous task for me. And I'd say, okay, just sit down and do it. Eat a toad for breakfast, you know, do it the first thing or just do one more. It's, it is a lot of the same mental tricks. Just do one more. Just, you know, do another page and then do something else. Um, so I've so words. <laughs> just one more or, you know, or planning the next time to do it. Um, but, you know, luckily I've been able to focus on the things more and more that I like doing that don't feel arduous that are more the, you know, the 9am run over the 3am run. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been really rewarding. I can't even imagine running at 3am. Like, oh, I'm so non-functional <laughs> at that anywhere from like two to 630. It's trail running is not as much fun because there's zero light. So you have like the your headlamp and you're bouncing around. And it's hard to see what's going on. Road running, you know, you're going on adrenaline on a you know 24 hour relay. So it's not so bad. And you're kind of like, why, why am I running? And there's other people kind of dispersed few hundred feet in front of me and behind me. And so you feel like you're a part of a weird tribe. So I do like that minor suffering, but um, not for long amounts of time. <laughs> not my regular <laughs> other people. Power. So, well, that was on another one of these races, which is why I love these races. Um, my overnight run, it was in Cape Cod and my night run was almost nine miles long. And wow. as a kid, I had a fear of, being alone at night or being abducted. So this was like, oh my gosh, playing into that fear so, so much that I was crying before running, you know, am I risking it? Well, I just got to suck it up and do it. And after about, and I was about a mile and a half in and a, someone, another runner ran up to me and said, oh, hey, I noticed you're going at the same pace as me. Do you want to run together? Mm-hmm. And so she and I, and it turns out she ended up getting a little dehydrated. So I had extra water for her. So she and I ended up running the rest of that leg together. And I thought, you know, sometimes you face a fear and the outcome is still different. And it was way better than any of, you know, I, I never even imagined running with, with someone during that. So sometimes the, the outcome can be really uh, delightful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, don't run at three in the morning. No, 
not no. And my running days <laughs> were over. I ended up injuring my knee uh, mm-hmm. in 2014, and it's not runnable at this point still. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I was really bummed because I love running. Like I like the the runner's high and and that mind game too of like, all right, half a mile more half of them and you start yeah and you start doing the well it's 10 minutes well you know I ran I've only run one marathon just to see if I could and the last six miles I felt like were the easiest because my mind game was like well I've run six miles all the time like this is easy I can do that and the first 20 you know disappeared um and you see pictures I'm like smiling and happy and some of my friends who are running they were grumpy and hate running and I also didn't care about my time I just wanted to finish it that also helped me be a little happier yeah yeah absolutely I want to shift gears into something a little spicier um before we hit record you and I were talking about an experience you had over the holidays and an email you sent out that you were getting a really great response from um, some of your clients can you share that experience and, and what happened so every anyone who's been in a room with me for about 30 seconds or who's connected with me on LinkedIn, which of course I welcome new connections, knows that me as a person means left words and that our company as a brand now is also a, a purpose-driven company and we support many social issues, uh, BLM, LBGTQ+. Uh, women's rights, all of that we're very much aligned with. And we're very public as a company about it. And this holiday season, um, and I was also raised Jewish, so I don't celebrate Christmas, you know, none of that is familiar to me. And my partner, my life partner's family uh, has a few members of it who really lean very much to the other side to the point where I was really dreading this Christmas visit with them because I thought, oh, I've, you know, spent kind of the past few years really seething, you know, about their views and about their practices and how am I going to be in a room with them for, you know, an afternoon. And uh, so I was really dreading this trip to, to Texas. And when we showed up at the family's house and it turns out there, there were rules that I wasn't aware of. And the rules were, we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. There's actually, I don't know if there's a physical list, but there was a itemized list of we're not talking about COVID or vaccines or the president or Ukraine or anything, anything that even gets anywhere near any of those topics. And everyone agreed. And I had like the best time. So we talked about everything. We talked about like getting our nails done. We talked about cooking salmon. Turns out aside from those, you know, 10 topics, there's a lot of things to connect on. And then at the same time, you know, and, and I had been married before. So uh, I had spent Christmas with other families before, but in this case, they had welcomed me and my son in a way that felt like we were always part of the family. Like the presents were the same. We had very personalized presents. Mm-hmm. There were things for my son. We It was very festive. And we, we really felt like part of the family. I was so shocked at how warm and welcomed we were. And it really reminded me that they had to go through some of the same mental gymnastics over me that I had to for them, which I hadn't really considered. Uh, And yet they showed me that, you know, there's a time and a place for talking about your views and not that 
acceptance and connection is important. And then once you feel that, it was amazing. It kind of reminded me that just because people or brands or companies feel differently than you, you can still be who you are. There was not a question. I wasn't pretending to be someone else. I just put that to the side for something greater. And it was so, gave me such hope. It was really, you know, I live in a, in a pretty big lefty bubble. So it was really a nice experience and a learning experience for me to, to know that we're human, that, that connection is possible and reconnection is possible. And I'm hoping for, for brands. I think brands can and companies can play a role in that to bring people together. On social media, I mean, LinkedIn, we know, is like so political and personal now, almost more than professional. But uh, it gave me hope to be a person who's an agent of change and not of further divisiveness. Yeah. First of all, what you're saying is so resonates with me because... I think there's a place for all of us to connect with each other on some level in some way, regardless of how different we are, but it's opening up the door to be able to actually listen instead of putting the barrier up. And we've all had the experience of the person, regardless of what side they are on, what belief they are, whatever thing that they may be very different than you. That's like, nope, you're doing it wrong. And let me tell you why, right? Like that's, it's Mm -hmm. for me frustrating because it's like, you're like about to say something and then you've just already been shut down and, and they're not hearing. But the only way for us to, to come together is to hear each other. So I love that your partner's family was so open I love the rules. The rules. Uh, well, so so it's funny. So someone had written me back saying, you know, well, I you're you're a better person than I am because when my family does that and they spew, you know, something I don't believe in, I shut down. I'd rather not be around it. And and I said, no. If that had happened, you know, <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing. But it didn't happen. We just said right. we know there's things that we can't talk about right now. Like maybe in a few years we can talk about them maybe there's a middle ground somewhere right but let's find some of the con- let's let's find some of the places that we could can connect so that i can feel warm and fuzzy and connected to you and have an ability to relate in a way and again as much as as much as and it just sounds silly that i had never considered that as much as i had to do it for them they had to do it for me because mm-hmm. of course i think i'm right <laughs> but both parties have to, both parties have to play the role. One person can't say, "Well, I'm not going to talk about something," and then another person says it. Like you both have to want it, and I think that's the other thing. Like there has to be a desire on both sides, uh, which is much easier to do in person. It's I participate in social media, and as I've mentioned, like I'm vocal on LinkedIn about how I feel as a person, how the company reflects that. Um, and it's so much easier to do that and forget about all the other stuff or, or, you know, not put forward the other elements and also to do it without someone sitting in front of you. Yeah. Well, uh, what I appreciate too, is that there's these rules that were agreed upon and then they were actually respected, right? Like we mm-hmm. believe in this time together with our family and, and the same thing could be said for companies, colleagues, anything else, right? Right. That this is the agreement and we're going to actually honor that. This is the agreement. And there's something more important than these things, which is each other. 
yeah you know like our relationship to you because we hadn't really been in contact with this this part of the family for quite a few years to say okay we're going to like now is not the time there our relationship to each other is more important and that was a, a unique and new experience for me but I hope to be able to replicate it uh, and the rules are definitely there was one point where like it started getting near one of the things and no it's on the list can't talk about it <laughs> let's talk about something else nail polish okay move on pumpkin pie let's, whatever yeah um snowflake. Was, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly it was it was like change it as quickly as possible uh which is, is a good a, there's i'm sure there are more lessons to be learned from that but um i was so i was just so delighted that someone had thought of that for me because I wasn't sure how, how I was going to do it. So I really yeah. appreciate his family in that. Yeah, yeah, they sound amazing and warm and and accepting. Yeah, it was great. It was how great. will that experience shift how you lead your company? Um, <laughs> well, we're still going to believe in what we believe, and we, you know, and and Absolutely. again, I think it will. So in, in how we talk about things more publicly, perhaps open the door for a conversation more, you know? So if I do post something about something a brand is doing that I may agree or disagree with, or perhaps there's a way to say, if you feel differently, let me know, or let's discuss it, or, you know, I'm happy to have a respectful conversation about this. It's hard, you know, part of what I've learned, you know, in the past few years is the importance of speaking up sometimes mm -hmm. and knowing when is time to speak up, you know, as a, as a brand, as a company to show your, your support for communities. And at the same time, there's other times if I'm in an Uber and the Uber driver says something ignorant, is that the time that I'm going to step up as a person or as a company say, well, that's not what my company believes. And finding those moments when it is the time and when it's not the time and, and making those connections, I think will be important. And also to tell my team, like this is, we have to keep the door open. Yeah. So we can have more understanding. What's um, new and exciting for you for this year? We're recording. It's January. So the, I am really young right now. I am so excited for this year. I have to tell you, 2023, it just feels like it's starting with such a bang for brand now. And maybe it's, you know, really great employee reviews that we all kind of have some things that we're working towards that are super specific in terms of, uh, you know, bringing in more professional development skills, uh, growing our team. We're looking at some reorganization to, again, function even more like a business and, and again, this is going to sound silly, but thinking about when we do have good years, how to reinvest in the business. My mode has always been, if you have a good year, squirrel it away in case you have a year that's not good without even realizing that it's been consistently good for long enough that now there's room to you know, really put more money into the business to continue its growth mm -hmm. and success and following the advice of, of consultants and advisors who are telling me to to do this. So we're excited about adding more people to our team, about helping to formalize our onboard, onboarding process, training more people to do what we do as a company and how we do it. So I am so excited about 
those elements because that's something I've been working towards. You know, we talk about having a North Star and kind of working towards it. This is a path that I've been trying to pave for a long time. And it feels like things are starting to solidify. And, and, and I'm really now finally having actionable steps that are that are really coming together and getting to that next level. Uh, I'm also so excited with the clients that we are working with. Right now, uh, we are working with the Hershey Company and Nissan and Gorton's and uh, Allergan or AbbVie. And it's just all the projects are so exciting and have so much promise to them, which is the most fun part of our job. And so I'm just, it's like, I'm so excited that it's January. I feel like 2023 is just really has so much promise for us. And you know, it's funny in the early days, um, you know, when you were talking about the, you know, how do I feel about going into these, these big companies, I always thought the wheel could fall. I felt like, and I actually had someone say like, don't get too optimistic because you could be disappointed. This could all not work, you know? And, and so I hear myself saying like, this is going to be a great year and it's going to be a big year and it might not be, but like, I may as well enjoy, it's like a lottery ticket. I may as well enjoy the possibility that it will be. So uh, Jen, to me, this year just feels like it's so full of possibilities and I'm going to relish every minute of that feeling and hope and and not hope that it comes true, work for it to come true. When we hit challenges and obstacles and dips along the way, that'll be okay too. I'll, I'll take those as they come, but it's so fun to feel that energized mm -hmm. and uh, and excited for the year ahead. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when I'm working with great clients and I think you probably work similar where like I get to choose who I want to work with to some extent. So the more fun they seem you know, in the early days, the generally the more fun we're having halfway through, it is exciting because you're creating all of these different things in different areas and you get to see kind of that, sh the slow shift and, and for me, frequently, there's a pop somewhere in the like three quarters of the way through. So kudos yeah. to you. Thank you. It's really, I haven't articulated yet. So thank you for asking because it really does feel like there's really exciting things ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like and it's nice to be able to celebrate that too. You yeah. know? Well, and I like to set really big goals, um, not because they have to be met, like, this is the only way, but because I like the challenge of pushing myself beyond what I would have done otherwise. So I think it's back to that workout mind mind game. Like you can go a little more, you can go a little more. <laughs> Just try it. I mean, the worst that happens is you fail. I mean, really, the the yeah. the worst that happens is it doesn't work. And then it's just a debrief. <laughs> you say, okay, we messed up. Oops. <laughs> let's not do that again. There are so many times where I go, like, let's not do that again. You know, and then I might do something kind of similar and I'm like, okay, I've been through this trap before. But, you know, you kind of as a leader, as a business owner, you need those sparks. You need that that feeling that motivated and that inspired and that excited and have that goal that feels a little bit out of reach. And again, like it can shift. Like, if, you know, if you think about the top of a mountain, there's not just one path. If you know that's where you want to go, you know, you, you may have to like, sidestep you may have to go down before you go up again but you know you just keep heading in that direction and that's the exciting part yeah yeah i'm curious too as somebody who 
runs her business very intuitively. Is there a process for that? Or do you know, like, is it just kind of like, all right, this feels like it aligns with me and let's go in this direction? In terms of the the business or, yeah. Yeah. It must be intuitive because I haven't thought about it. Um, But there are things that I've seen that have made sense. And one of the things I'm always trying to do is if I, if I ask for advice or, you know, especially with my managing director, if they give me a suggestion, I don't want to be one of those founders that's like, well, no, I've tried that and it doesn't work. So we're not doing it, which is always a danger. And at the same time, really trusting your instinct of I've tried this, I've done this, and I know this doesn't work. And every once in a while, we did something last year, we hired a, a lead gen company. And I kept saying, like, I, I know that I don't think this is going to work. I've never met anyone who's had success with these kind of companies. But you're right, we've never tried it. Let's try it for six or seven months. And as predicted, it didn't work. So now we know. So now we don't have to do that again. But it's always, you know, trusting yourself for the most part, but being open to being proven wrong uh, in safe ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is like, also like what feels right. So a lot of times what I'll do when, when given different business challenges is I do have some really great trusted advisors, some mentors. I will call them. I'll say, here's what's going on. Most of the time, as you can probably guess, just in talking it out, the answers come to you of like what feels right. Uh, and they're usually slower decisions and not bigger decisions. But um having smart people around you, hearing their advice, but following your gut anyway. And I've had some good success with my gut over the past 25 years. So I think I've learned to trust it more and more and to take some reasonable risks as part of that. Yeah. I also am intuitive. This is why I'm asking. Um, and I've, I've learned over the years that I'm not ever wrong. I may be <laughs> off a little bit. Um, and there's times where I'm just going to go with what like my, my intuition and my gut is feeling, and I don't care what the, everybody else is doing, what they're saying, what the other results are like, and generally speaking, it works out, but it does take a certain level of trust to know, like when you're playing again, that safe space. And when like, this is really the way to go. Right. Well, it's, it's why I almost want to ask you a question now. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, which is, are there times where, you know, I love, by the way, I love the thought of like nothing I do is wrong. It just might be a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Do you ever look at other people in your space and say, how are they doing that? Why, how are they able to do something that I haven't been able to do? Cause that's something that I go through. Oh yeah. All the time. First six months of last year, it was like nothing I did worked. <laughs> and I swear you could have had different person, same company, same thing, same strategy, same whatever, and they would have been fine. And it was just ironing out, I think, some of the process and the strategy with uh, with me and, and our team. Um, but I also knew I wasn't, like, those things didn't make me feel good and they didn't align with the core values. And, and not from a discomfort of, like, oh, this is new. It's the, I don't feel an integrity. Mm. about it yeah yeah every time I circle around with them like my gut is generally speaking it's right on when this has been amazing and I, I love your energy your personality that you have a stand in so many different areas 
one last question. What is your next big run or when is your next big run planned? <laughs> well, well, thank you. And by the way, I feel the same. I am planning. I did get the lottery to do the New York City half marathon in March. Congratulations. Uh, I'm nursing a hamstring injury. So my physical therapist has said, like, do not run for two weeks. So I'm just walking a lot right now, hoping to heal. I'm sure I'll be fine. But then the run I'm really looking forward to is another one of these relays uh, in May in New England. And our team are the Mother Shuckers. And our team <laughs> is 12. And I always look forward to them. And one of my favorite clients is joining me on this run as part of my team this year and she sent me a picture over the break with her running she said I would only do this for you so that makes it even more fun and even more special yeah that's awesome where can everybody connect with you they can connect with me they can go to brandnow.com it talks more about brand now about our business if you write to the hello you'll make it to me uh LinkedIn Lynn Altman I'm pretty searchable I'm wearing a bright orange sweater. You can't miss me. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, Emmy. I had a great time. Awesome. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you.